0: Hello there, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman and you're listening to Exploring Different Brains. Hi, this is Hacky Reitman again, talking about neurodiversity. We're so fortunate today to be talking to Derek Volk. He's way up in Maine. He owns a box company, Volk Packaging. He's got a radio show called The Derek Volk Show. His son's name is Dylan, and he wrote this great book Chasing the Rabbit. Welcome, Derek.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on my show as well. Well, thank
0: you very much. You have a great show there too. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Okay. Um, My name is Derek Volk, as he said, and uh, I am the third-generation owner of a corrugated box company in Biddeford, Maine. That's my my day job. And about a year and a half ago now, I Sat down to actually to write a business book, and uh, I heard a voice that said, That's not the book you're supposed to write. You're supposed to write a book about Dylan. And I started typing, and I ended up with uh, 280,000 words and uh, a lengthy book all about raising my son Dylan. And it's uh, you can go to chasingtherabbit.org for more about it. And it's been an unbelievable experience. Tell us about your journey. Okay, well. Uh, My wife and I are high school sweethearts and uh, we got married in college and in our senior year of college we decided that uh, maybe we'd try to have a baby and if it worked out great if it didn't no big deal and so as it turned out we ended up uh, having our son when we were seniors in college and uh, everything was great. Everything seemed perfectly fine. Dylan uh, seemed to be hitting all his milestones pretty normally and then at two I came home from work one day, and uh, my wife had been uh, watching some other neighborhood kids after after uh, when their parents were working part time, and she said something's not quite right with Dylan. And I said, "No, no, he's fine." She said, "No, something's not quite right, and I don't know what it is, but he doesn't seem to connect with the other kids. They're playing, and he's not. He doesn't seem to care whether they're in the room or not, and." You know, we really had no idea what it was.
0: Well, let me stop you right there for our listeners. Right there at that point, you come home. Your wife says something ain't right. And right there, you have a choice to make. You can be a united front as a family. Or you might become one of the statistics in the autism, Asperger's neurodiversity community where the divorce rate far exceeds normal population. At that point, you and your wife are together that we're going to do something. And go from there.
1: Well, you know, my my first initial reaction was denial. I you know, he was our only child and our son. and, And, you know, I just had a hard time thinking there could be anything wrong with him. So, and Dylan was very unique. I mean, he was... He was a unique little boy when I tell the story, and it's in the book when he was uh when he was two, he was really into vacuum cleaners where we would spend hours at uh, local uh, local department stores where he would play with vacuum cleaners when he was three he was a furnace for Halloween so we knew this was a, a kind of a different little boy, uh, but we just chalk, chalked it up as uh, he was just really smart and um so yeah, we were a united front. Uh, and said, "Okay, we don't know what this is, but you know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't something that's not right with him." Uh, as he started to go to school, uh, you know, the nursery school teacher quickly told us he should be on Ritalin. Almost, you know, the, the first teacher conference put him on Ritalin, um, and you know, he was very little at that point, and we just were not ready to start putting him on medications um, based on a diagnosis of a nursery school teacher. So we, um, we started looking at, as he got a little older, when he was five, I tell the story in the book, um, the chapter is called Our Monster, uh, when he went to a day camp. And uh, about three weeks into the day camp, I got a call. Uh, the, the director of the day camp said, come pick up your son. He's a monster. And uh, you know, it was time for us to start to say, okay, you know, Amy's right. Something is not quite right with Dylan and we need to figure out what it was. And we knew at that point he was having, you know, meltdowns that were much bigger, as you described uh, beautifully in your book, that a meltdown and a temper tantrum are two very different things. I, I call Dylan's meltdowns, temper tantrums on steroids. And, uh, um, very well put there. Yeah. So we knew something, you know, something was, was not there. And uh, we then spent several years uh, going on what we call the diagnosis of the month club where wherever we took Dylan, whatever they specialized in, that's what he had. So when we took him to the lady that specialized in OCD, that was the root of all his problems.
0: Give us a time relationship here. Man, what year is this?
1: Yeah, was, Dylan was born in 1991. So it was 1993 when uh, she realized something wasn't quite right. Now, at that point there was no Asperger's diagnosis. So we could have taken him anywhere in the world and not got that diagnosis. Uh, so it, then it, it was 1996 when they called him a monster. It was 1997 when we started the Diagnosis of the Month Club. So finally, after all these misdiagnoses, we'd go out and my wife would go, you know, go to the bookstore and buy a book about whatever the latest diagnosis was. And she'd read it and she'd be like, well, I mean, that kind of sounds like Dylan, but not, doesn't really fit. All the pieces don't fit. So nothing really made sense for us. Then when he was eight, uh, I actually, uh, got a letter in the mail from my brother, because this was before everybody emailed everything. And it was actually uh, a little article in the New York times that he ripped out. And it was about a boy from New York city who had memorized the entire subway system. He could tell you how to get from any two streets. And he had this thing called Asperger's, which was a form of autism. And I was reading it. And I was like, eh, it's, you know, that sounds really interesting. And Dylan at the time was really into birds. He knew everything about birds and, you know, to a bizarre degree. And so we I, I'm reading this this little story. And at the end of the story, the last paragraph, it talks about how when he was little when he was two or three, he was really into vacuum cleaners. And of course, a light bulb went on, and I grabbed the post-it note that I'd tossed aside for my brother, and all he wrote on it was, could this be what Dylan has? And that began our efforts to try to see if the Asperger's diagnosis fit, which eventually, of course, it did.
0: Tell us about Dylan right now as we speak.
1: Well, Dylan is a success story, and part of this story, I... I I was told for years, oh, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I kept thinking, yeah, I'll write a book about Dylan when I know there's a happy ending. And for a long time, there did not look like there would be a happy ending to Dylan's story. Uh, there were a lot of times when the option, and I, where the options were pretty much dead or jail. Uh, it looked like those were gonna be the only two options where Dylan was gonna end up. And it, there were some pretty scary, scary times. Today, Dylan is living in Austin, Texas, all by himself. He lives independently in Austin, Texas. We, of course, help him financially, uh, but he's doing a great job down there. He is uh, driving for Uber, he's an Uber driver, and he is producing a series of uh, online comedy content, and uh, he'd kill me if I don't mention it, so if you go to Dylan Comedy, D-I-E-L-A-W-N, Dylan Comedy, uh, you can check out all of Dylan's comedy, and uh, he's 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 got like thirty thousand views on on YouTube and ten thousand followers on Instagram. He's really doing an incredible job with it all by himself. And he uh, recently has become a, a weekly regular on the Lance Bass show, which uh, Lance Bass is one of the guys from Insync. You might remember a '90s boy band. And uh, Lance has a, a weekly show talking about pop culture. And Dylan did some comedy for them, and they loved him. They thought he was great. He went out to L.A., and while he was in L.A. talking to them, they realized that Dylan's special interest, which is something very common with people with Asperger's, is music. He is like a music encyclopedia. And so now, every Thursday at 7 o'clock on uh, XM 106, Sirius XM 106, he has a top five countdown where he counts down the top five songs of the week and then talks about why they're trending and all this all this other stuff and then they try to stump him so dylan is doing great um but he still has days where he's very overwhelmed um, a couple weeks ago he got fired from about his 32nd job and uh, you know called me up and was you know very upset and said oh my you know my life's gonna go to crap and and i had to calm him down as i'm sure you Many people watching this understand how that can steamroll into something much bigger than it is. Uh, And then sure enough, he went out and got another job, as he always does. So he's doing well. He's learning learning how to deal with life.
0: Very well said. Now, tell us from your point of view about the importance of employment, the importance of a job for an individual.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's really important as most people, uh, especially men, where we somewhat identify with who we are by our job. And Dylan has, has had a very interesting job life from the time he was 16. He's very good at getting jobs. Dylan is... In fact, when he was in a life skills program in Utah, he actually taught a class for the other students who most of them didn't have any form of autism on how to get a job because he's so good at getting jobs. Uh, he He's very personable and he can fake normal exceptionally well for about 15 to 20 minutes, which is what it takes to get through a job interview. Um, but then when he gets the job, uh, that's where he runs into problems and his job's like I said, he's he's on I think job thirty two and he's twenty four years old. So, um, but when he has a job, and when he has a job that he can, he can be successful at, um, he's he his whole, whole life is different. He feels better about himself. He has confidence. He feels that uh, he's contributing to his own life and to society. It, it's a big. It's a big difference maker. It's why I'm involved in two organizations here in Maine, the Maine Business Leadership Network and the Pine Tree Society, both organizations trying to help people with disabilities connect with employment uh, here in the state of Maine. Maine is number 50 in people with disabilities in the workforce. So uh, we have a lot of work to do here in Maine and uh, I'm doing my best to try to help out and I talk about it on my radio show a lot as well.
0: Why don't you share with our audience your experience with your Volk Packaging Company, a third generation company in Maine, when you've said, you know what? I'll have Dylan come and work here. Tell us about that experience.
1: We here at Volk Packaging, we have 85 employees. We're a corrugated box manufacturer, as I mentioned. And uh, we have a woman in our plane who's deaf. Uh, we have a blind gentleman who works in our sales department. And uh, I have at least that I know of three people that are on the spectrum that are employed here at the company. So it's something that I'm, I'm trying to walk the walk as well. And um, the, one of the one of the comments that I've received, and I, there's a chapter in the book called, why don't, you just, why don't you just hire him? And it was when Dylan was going through job after job and I would tell people, oh, Dylan got fired again today. And, they, and people would say to me, and they would know that Dylan was going through tough times and they'd say, why don't you just hire him and just put him to work in book packaging? And while that sounds great, like uh, oh I I own a company I can just put my kid to work at my company and all the problems will be solved number one there's really nothing that he can do here Uh, the plant is very loud and very fast-paced so there's nothing he could do in the plant Um, in fact even when he was younger in high school and would come to work here and I would put him in the plant he he and I put him in what we had a, a like a foam division and it's relatively quiet over there and he had a really hard time. It's it's just still too loud and too, there's too much going on and, and the, the movement of everything is too fast for him.
0: Take a moment to explain yeah. to our audience, for those who might not be familiar, with the hypersenses that are many times involved with those on the spectrum. Hearing, flashing lights, sight, sound, right. smell, touch, you name it.
1: Yeah, and it's different, there all those all those things that that he, that you just mentioned, for a lot of people, they go out in, in my plant. Like we have a gentleman that works on one of of my machines who has Asperger's, and he's okay with with the noise. But there are other things that other sensitivities that he has that don't impact him here at this employment. So there's no perfect employment for for somebody with Asperger's because. While Dylan had a really hard time with the noise in the plant, he doesn't have a problem with the noise at all. But there are other sensitivities that he has where maybe working in a textile factory would be a bad fit for him. Um,
0: Or as my daughter Rebecca put it, and HCI Books decided to put it on the cover and the back of the Aspertools book is, no two brains are alike, they're like snowflakes. Every brain is different. Yeah. And so when we've met one Aspie, we've met one Aspie. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. That's, and we have someone like Dylan who early on could tell you everything in the world about birds and then got into music, all right? And part of the trick is how do we harness these hyper interests to get them into a productive job, you know? Right. And society, so much time we spent, stop playing with dinosaurs all the time instead of figuring out how to make them into a paleontologist or, you know, make your living off of dinosaurs.
1: Yeah. Well, Dylan Dylan would would tell people when he was seven that he was going to be an ornithologist someday, which is a pretty big word for a seven-year-old to even say, much less know what it is. And then that faded and he was into cars. And I, I remember my father took him to, we used to take him on weekends to car dealerships and he would spend hours looking at cars. And the, the sales guy came over to him one time and was talking to Dylan about the cars. And he said, would you like to be a car salesman someday? And Dylan said, no. And the guy looked at him and Dylan said, I'm going to own the dealership. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he, you know, we try to say, okay, well, and so when he went through each one of these stages, we would do what you said, we said, okay, what can we do to help him? If this if this is permanent and this is cars is his thing, maybe someday we'll buy a small car lot and let him run it. you know, maybe we'll find a job that is a fit for him that will work. Volk packaging, unfortunately, just was not a good fit for him. In fact, at one point, because he struggles with uh time management and he gets projects sometimes take a long time for him to do I would give him a project and I would say I'm going to pay you for this project this is what I think this project is worth if you get it done in three hours I can give you another project if you get it done in five hours I'll give you another project but you're only getting paid based on the projects that I give you because I can't pay you by the hour and then have you be that's not fair to my other employees so it's it's just not so easy to just say, oh, you own a com- because you own a company, you can just employ your kid. So um, Dylan has done a great job on his own taking his special interests, comedy and music. And a lot of his comedy, if you go to Dylan Comedy, you'll see that a lot of his comedy is based on music. He takes, music, so- he takes songs and does music parodies, like a Weird Al Yankovic kind of thing. And they're hysterical. And so he's taken his love of music and his love of comedy, and he's trying to to make it. And uh, um, it's not easy, but we have confidence that he'll do it.
0: Every Aspie is different. But let's talk about one of the big common threads, which is the social awkwardness. Now, your son is far removed from his support system. Tell us about how Dylan is doing socially
1: at this time. He's doing pretty well um, you know he struggles and he uh, the last month or so has been pretty good for him. He actually uh, told us just a few days ago that he has a girlfriend so we're very pleased about uh, pleased with that and if you if you go to our you, if you go to our website and go to the speaking page uh, you can connect to our YouTube channel which if, or if you go to YouTube and type in Derek and Dylan Volk, you can go to our YouTube channel and you can see some of our presentations. And in the presentation, Dylan talks about his experience with jobs, and then he talks about his experience with girls and how similar they are, that he can get a girl, he just can't keep a girl. And he, he, it's very funny, he talks about how with a job, at least they have some investment. You know, They've put you through human resources and drug testing and training. A girl doesn't do, have to do any of that. So she'll cross you right off the list as soon as you make a social error. And- uh, Very interesting
0: perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's had a challenging time uh, socially, both, uh, you know, just making friends and also, um, you know, trying to get a girlfriend, which is, is something that's very important. And he'd like to, he'd like to have a girlfriend. That's something that he's always uh, wanted. And it's just never worked out for more than what, you know, he says, I can't make it through a month because somewhere in that month, in that first month, when you have to wine and dine her and you have to pull open the car door and do all the things right. He misses things. And he, you know, he misses the same thing with his jobs. He misses the ambiguity of interact of social interactions. So while Dylan isn't like there are some Aspies that are happy to just stay in the basement and play video games for 14 hours a day, Dylan wants to be out there. And the reason I call the book chasing the rabbit is because I've always compared Dylan to a greyhound and the rabbit is normal and he's running as fast as he can to catch it, but it's always just out of reach. No matter how hard he runs, no matter how fast he exhausts himself, he he just can't catch it, even though he can see it. And that creates a lot of of challenges um, socially because he misses things. So for example, for all the men listening, If you if your wife doesn't seem to be in a very or girlfriend doesn't seem to be in a very good mood and you say is everything all right and she says it's fine, we all know that that does not mean it's fine. Whereas Dylan might say, oh okay everything's fine, go pick up the TV, go the remote control and start watching TV, when you and I know that when your wife says fine, in that tone, (laughs) it is anything but fine, and so we need. You know, Dylan needs, he needs more instruction and more clear, you know, responses from people that he just doesn't always get.
0: I got to speak to John Elder Robeson, who wrote Look Me in the Eye and other bestsellers, who has a great uh, car restoration business up in Massachusetts. And he has a chapter in his book, Look Me in the Eye, where he talks about logic versus small talk. And he says when he was young, he's working at a factory. And a woman comes up to him and says, my girlfriend is going out with some married guy and he drives a motorcycle just like you. So John Elder Robeson says to himself, what am I supposed to say to that? Like, what do you want me to say? What kind of motorcycle does he drive? What's your girlfriend's name? Why is she going out with a married guy? I'm not sure I know what to say. All I know is, and this is what people like Dylan go through and Rebecca, all I know is whatever I say, it's going to be the wrong thing. So he developed this thing where he looks and he smiles and he shakes his head knowingly and he says, woof. And he smiles and nods his head and walks away. And he goes, at least they don't get mad at me. (laughs) I still don't have any idea why they asked me that and of course on the conversation I proceeded to make similar mistakes even though Rebecca said you better read his book before you talk to him so I did and there I'm talking to him and I say John I know you don't need any help promoting yourself but I really want to help mainstream what the message you're trying to get out so is there anything I can do for you and he answers me very thoughtfully and says, well, as you said, I really don't need any help. So I don't know how to answer that question. And I felt like,
1: now there was a dumb question, the way it was posed, you know? Well, we, we used to run into that with Dylan when he was younger and he would come home from school and uh, and we would say, how was, how was school today? And he would say... I can't answer that question. And we say, well, we just wanna know how school was. And he, he was like, but I, that's too broad a question. You want me to tell you about every moment of the day and how every moment of the day was? That's the way he interpreted that. He couldn't, and I remember at one point, I can't remember if it was school or, or camp or something that he went to. And my father, uh, you know, and he was eight or nine, seven or eight years old or whatever, and my father got annoyed because he asked him a very open-ended question like that, and Dylan ref- basically refused to answer the question because, in his mind, there was no answer to a question. How was your day at camp? It, it was so broad, you know. It, it's it's it, it reminds the analogy I always use is when it, you have you ever run into somebody like that you haven't seen since high school, and they ask you what you've been up to, and you're like. Well, what have I been up to in the last thirty years? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have Asperger's, and I, I don't know how to answer that question. What have I been up to? It's so broad, and so when that's the kind of overwhelming question that How was your day at school?" So, oh, you know, and luckily Dylan was able to express to us after asking repeatedly, he finally said, "You know, you need to ask me." more specific questions if you want me to answer you so we would say what did you do in math class or what did you do at recess and give him very specific time sensitive questions and i i read to i was reading your book this weekend finishing up your book this weekend and i was sitting on the dock and i kept saying oh listen to this listen to this and the, the, <laughs> to all the people that were sitting on the dock with me and i said and my i loved the one about when you say uh when the the person's getting picked up for the dentist and you tell and says, I'll pick you up in the morning, get everything you need. And they're like, Well, how do I know what everything I needed? And it was so perfect because when Dylan and I started traveling for chasing the rabbit, we've been all over the country now, uh and and uh, we're heading to Spokane Washington and Memphis and uh, we're doing speaking engagements. We're hopefully gonna be in New York in early November, in New York City in early November. And when we first started going on these trips, I would say, you know, he would call me and he'd say, well, I don't know how to pack. I can't pack for three days. I don't know what to do for it. And I would say, well, just get whatever you would need for three days, which seemed like a logical response. And here I am, you know, I wrote a book and that's how I'm answering him. Just get everything you need. And so he would, sure enough, he showed up for the first thing and he didn't have deodorant and he didn't have a toothbrush and he didn't have, you know, he had one shirt for three days. And so, you know, finally, and he would get stressed out before every trip. So finally I said to him, look, you know, you need three pair of underwear, three shirts, you know, and I would I would text him before the trip and say, make sure you pack this and relax because of course you talked about the anxiety and stress of situations and and I said relax anything you do we're not going on a trip to Siberia or the moon anything you don't have we can just go get we can go if you forget socks we can just go get you some socks so don't stress about it there's enough in life to stress about which of course my wife said you do realize that means that he can just not pack and you'll take him shopping which, so I gotta be careful exactly what I say,
0: Derek. As we start to wind down, um, tell us what do you hope that people get from your book,
1: "Chasing the Rabbit." Well, I get asked that question a lot, and I think it's a really good, a really good question. And I'm glad when people ask it. Um, I have a number of different people that I hope read the book, and so the answer is different uh, based on who's reading it. Uh, for the parent reading the book, I, I hope that parent realizes, number one, they're not alone. And as we all know, at, autism is a, it is a huge range. That's why they call it a spectrum. But whether your child has autism and they're verbal or autism and they're nonverbal, or whether they have uh, another disability, Down syndrome or, or whatever it might be, the emotions that I share in the book as, as a dad, and that's the rare, the rare perspective that my book comes from. Most books are not, there are very few books written by dads. So the emotions that I go through dealing with having a son like Dylan are very similar from the emotions that a dad with another disability might have. A, a friend of mine whose, son, whose daughter is, is deaf or severely hearing impaired said I had a lot of the same emotions raising her. So I hope that they get that. I hope that the educators and counselors get a real inside view of just how hard it is inside the family. Uh, and one of the counselors that, that read the book said, it's like, you know, we're walking inside the, we're walking in the sacred pat halls of the Volk household. And that's what I, that's, that's what I wanted. I want people to feel like they're coming into our lives and this is what it was like. And even my parents who went through everything with us, my mother called after reading the book in tears and said, I, I didn't realize how bad it was. And I wish we had done more. And I said, you know, it just is, it's just life. You can't, you, everybody can't adjust their life for what we're going through. And And then for people that don't have a child on the spectrum, don't have a child with a disability uh first of all god bless you you, you know but you have to understand that that the rest of us there by the grace of god you're raising dylan i mean you could have been raising dylan as easy as i'm raising. as is just circumstance happens that i happen to be raising dylan so the next time you're in that supermarket and that kid is having a meltdown and you think that that's just an undisciplined kid and a parent that's just laissez-faire about their kid's behavior, keep in mind that that kid could have a neurological disability that you can't see. I had a, a friend on Facebook post something about a kid at a restaurant that was having a temper tantrum and the parents weren't doing anything and how terrible the parents were. And below in the feed there were all these comments about how parents don't discipline their kids today and blah, 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 blah. And I had to jump in. I said, did it occur to any of you that maybe that child has a neurological disability that you can't see. And those parents were just hoping to have a night out as a family and it backfired on them. And they're just trying to get through this meal. And so I have actually these cards that I, I give away with every book. And uh, they're little cards. And, the, and on the back, it says, you are witnessing autism. Be patient with my child. He/she has autism. What might look like a poor parenting—what may look like poor parenting—is a child with a neurological disorder just trying to get through another day in a world that is often very confusing, fast-paced, and overwhelming. Thank you for your understanding. So, what I hope is that these cards, uh, when I—you know—I give away—I I give away some cards with every book, and then I sell them through my Facebook page, where people can just send me a self-addressed envelope and a couple of bucks. And I'll send them a card just to cover the cost of the, of the card and the shipping and everything. I'm not looking to make money on them. What I want is I want some waitress who was judgmental to some poor parents going through one of those evenings. And I, we would have handed out these cards by the packet if we had them when Dylan was younger. And maybe the next time that some kid is having a tough time in a restaurant, maybe that waitress will think twice about how she looks at that at that kid and that parent.
0: Tell people where they can listen to your radio show, where they can buy your book and all of that good stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, this is our book. It's called Chasing the Rabbit, a dad's life raising a son on the spectrum. You can uh, easily get it by going to chasingtherabbit.org. So not .com, chasingtherabbit.org, which uh, you can go right to purchase, take you to our Amazon page. You can also uh, watch our videos by going to YouTube and typing in Derek and Dylan Volk, or just go to our speaking page on our website, which will have all the information. Also, in the books coming out starting next week, uh, there's going to be a, a book group discussion guide at the back of the book, which I just added to the new version of the book, and it's also on my website if you go under the about page. If you want to get in, if you have a book club and you'd like to have our our book be part of your book club, I'd be happy to sit in on by Skype or FaceTime. Uh, or if you're local in the New England area, come actually come and sit with you and do and take part in the discussion about your book group. I've had several book groups that have absolutely loved uh, using Chasing the Rabbit as a book group discussion guide. And then my my radio show is called The Derek Volk Show, and it is uh, you can just go to derekvolkshow.com to check out all it airs locally Saturday mornings. but. All my shows are podcasts on my website and also through iTunes and Stitcher at Derek Volk show.
0: And I want to just get in Dylan's website for his... Yeah. Give, give him where they can find
1: Dylan's comedy music videos. Yeah, go to Dylon Comedy. D-I-E-L-A-W-N, Dylon Comedy. He's on Instagram at Real Dylan, And uh, subscribe to his YouTube channel. And some of the uh, videos and things are PG-13, I warn you, because... It's comedy, so he likes to be edgy. Uh, but there are some really funny things on there. And uh, Dylan has no filter, so he will say anything to anybody for a laugh. And it, it uh, creates some pretty funny videos.
0: Derek Volk, thank you very, very much. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks a lot. I really appreciate having you, uh, being on the show. And uh, anybody that reads the book, I'd love to hear your feedback. So please reach out to me after you read it.
0: We've been talking today with Derek Volk, his book, is Chasing the Rabbit. His radio show is The Derek Volk Show. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.